0: Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. I'm joined today by Steph Thomas. And we've got a special guest in uh, for the first time on the newly launched podcast. Former Ireland hooker and former Dragons coach Bernard Jackman joins us. Uh, Bernard, how are you
1: doing? Yeah, good, thanks, man. Glad to be on and thanks for having me.
0: I mean, let's just crack straight into the rugby talk. There's only one place to start, I guess, Twickenham. Steph, you were were there. Yeah. I mean, what, what was your reaction? To that game. It felt like watching paint dry, to be honest at times, didn't it? Yeah, well <laughs> the first
2: half was like watching paint dry. Um at, at half time, me and my colleague were were worried about if we we're gonna have anything to write at full time, but luckily that changed and the the final ten minutes was absolute chaos. Um I think um I think Wales will be really disappointed they lost that game. You know they had a three-man advantage for a significant period, and I don't think you should lose a test match when you've got that sort of numerical advantage. And Warren Gatlin was well, I think the, the right word is furious after the game. Um, so you know he'd have learnt a lot about certain players, and it's not all about the result because it's a warm-up game. But um, you know on on the whole he was he was visibly angry after the game.
0: Bernard, um, as as an Irishman, what was the sort of the, the thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't believe how bad England were. You know, two weeks in a row. Obviously, they'd been very poor in the Principality. That first half was was shocking, and and ironically, they got something out of the game, just the way they found a way to win. And obviously, now with Andy with Owen Farrell getting off, you know, at the t- probably at one period there, you're saying Farrell's going to be suspended. Um, they're going to lose back to back against against Wales, having never really fired a shot and. In the end, they probably get a little bit of belief out of it and, and a little bit of momentum, and particularly with that disciplinary decision we're going to talk about. And yeah, Wales will just be pulling their hair. I think they had enough experience on the field that for Gatlin to feel, you know, they needed to close that out when ha- haven't found a, a lead and then three three players in the in the bin. So it's still being probably a positive two matches for for Wales. I think given how poor they were in the Six Nations and and. They do look in fi- good physical shape. Obviously, someone like Gleam Williams was was outstanding. Um, and probably, if you boil it all down, I know Gats is talking about a couple of kicks and things, but probably if they get their line out fixed, you know, they're going to be in, a, in a, a lot better place. But um, it was a very poor affair. When you compare that to what we saw later on that night, Scotland, France, in terms of entertainment and vibrancy and two teams wanting to play, I mean, it's poles apart
0: and i guess i mean it's been mentioned so many times but it brings it back into the spotlight is the world cup draw um i think if you're on that side of the draw the pool a and the pool b side you're probably looking at that wales england match going well maybe they could do the draw a little bit closer to the world cup next yeah. time
1: yeah they made a the bollocks of it but they'll they fixed it i think for they're going to do it a little bit later next time and sometimes sometimes we see the world seedings not being reflective of of current of of current form, you know, uh, it can take a while sometimes to to move down the rankings. But at the moment, the 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 form we're seeing, the best teams in the world are are the teams who are, who are ranked top, and, and unfortunately, obviously, they're all it's a lopsided draw. But look, at that little trope, its own um, drama, and it does give a team on the other side or to, or teams a chance to get a little momentum and and come into that. Semi-final, you know, uh, a change team. Like teams are going to improve massively over six weeks. Uh, Someone's going to come out of the out of the woodwork, and and I think that's what all those you know countries are trying to find uh, the right recipe. And you know, you look at Eddie Jones and and the the selection he's made. You know, leaving out Craig Cooper, making Will Skelton captain doesn't really make sense. But he'll hope that over uh, the course of the competition, given the fact that they have an easier uh, group on paper that they can turn out to be a, a contender. When you talk about the line-out, obviously,
2: I fully agree, I think if Wales had a functioning line-out, they would have certainly won that game. As a former international hooker, watching that game, what, what do you think went wrong? Because was was it just a case of individual errors, there's a couple of overthrows from Lake and, and Sam Parry, or was it, was it more of a collective failure?
1: Yeah, obviously you've got a couple of individual errors, but... It, some of that can be down from a hooker point of view can be down to just a lack of confidence in in the drill and i think as you saw the game kind of progress you could see there was issues with people not really being known their role you know dummies that that weren't being sold properly no one getting up in the air so as a group i think they'll be very disappointed that they completely seem to lose all composure and then it looked like they just met in the car park, and and they're they're way better than that. John Humphries is, is a good lineup coach, and Wales can definitely you know get that area of the game sorted out. We have to say that England defensively are very very good uh, defensive line. It's one of Bortwick's biggest strengths as a coach, and and from an Irish point of view, we're gonna I know that that will put a lot of fear into us this weekend, and and, and Paul O'Connell in terms of how can we win quality ball on a consistent basis. So it is something they're good at obviously you've had some change at hooker. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a warm-up game. So maybe, maybe they haven't spent the time on a set piece that they have on physical conditioning. And that's something that obviously, as you taper off your physical conditioning, you know, you're going to have more time to do that. So it's naturally going to get better anyway, with more time. So I don't think it's, it's something that they can fix. They have the tools to fix it. It's just, it did cost them, I think, you know, on Saturday, a chance to get back to back wins and, the momentum uh, and confidence that they can get from that, um, allied to the fact that, obviously, you know they they do look better physically, um, but it would have been a massive boost I think to win in Twickenham, um, regardless of the the quality of performance. I think that would have been um, a ringing endorsement of of the preseason they have had. When when you look at the the hookers and the Welsh squad, so
2: Ken Owens has been ruled out. Warren said after the game that Ryan Elias out for three to four weeks. Um, if he makes the squad so he'd be touching go for Fiji Dewi Lake obviously we haven't had an update yet but it didn't look good so that in my mind that leaves Elliot D as a first choice you've worked with Elliot. what's your thoughts on him as a player do you think he's he's good enough to be the first choice hooker test level it's
1: just, yeah, just I your do, general I do. thoughts on him no no 100% I think this is an opportunity for him he's had a very frustrating period um, at the Dragons with, with an injury uh, uh, that that basically was didn't was hard to diagnose and, and didn't go away. So he has he's kind of he hasn't had a chance to really kick on. I mean think back to the last um the last World Cup and and how many caps he accumulated under under Gatland in a in a relatively quick period um mainly off the bench to be fair to to Ken Owens. But um you know four years later he's now got an injury free run. Um he has all the tools to be a really key player for Gatlin. Like he's a good footballer. He's an unbelievable engine. Um, he's a very, very strong competitor. He, he, he hates to lose. And I think he throws and scrums well. Um, and I think um, he also has a very good, I suppose, mental capacity to to stay relaxed and, and trust his, his throwing and drill. And, uh, um, and he's good at building up a relationship with, with his of caller as well, and you know, I, I saw firsthand how him and Corey Hill worked together. You know, uh, and they nearly knew what each other were thinking. So, um, I think he could come from. I suppose a year ago he wasn't in the in the picture under under pivac, uh, really. Um, but he could be a starter for Wales in, in in a World Cup. And I think if he does get an opportunity, it'll be hard to get a jersey off him. To be honest, one one player,
2: I don't know. if, you, I think we we chatted off air. I mean, one player I thought did well off the bench. Made a big impact was Tane Basham. In the end, he received a big impact as well, didn't he? But um, you know, he—I he, I thought he was really effective, really explosive off the bench, and a lot of people have forgotten about him because of because Jack Morgan's so good and and has obviously done really well. You've you've coached Tane as well. I mean, would he be in your? You know, if if you were if you were Wales coach, would you say you'd be considering him as well?
1: I think so. I think the way the game is going, you look at the impact Bren Earl had on on Saturday. You know, if you have a back row who is um, really quick, really powerful, you know, good, um, a good link player, uh, I think you can change it up. And and, and Tane has all that. Uh, he has all that. He is very, very explosive, very quick, um, good footballer, bit of dog in him as well. I mean, you, Wales have a lot of good back rows. And, and I agree with you. He's kind of, um, he maybe is a bit of a dark horse, but... Even if he doesn't start, I think he's an unbelievable profile to bring on the bench to to change things up. Like he is, he is gifted. He was a good sevens player, Um, and yeah. As Gatland, I think Gatland's obviously gone back to basics. Um, But to win to win games where you're up against an opponent to you know similar level of ability, you probably do need a couple of X factor Mm. players, at least in your twenty three, and Basham. Basham certainly has that. He's a, he's a very special talent. He offers something different as yeah, well. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, is there an element that maybe, certainly under Pivac and even now, that, that, that maybe Wales don't quite know what to do with him? Because he's, he's not a traditional open side. He hasn't got that sort of, maybe that jackal threat that Morgan and, yeah. and Ref have. And Wales are a really jackal-heavy team. I remember that game against Ireland in Dublin, I think it was, was it last year? Yeah. Was it PIVAC's last game? And the, the stats he produced were ridiculous but it felt like he was almost on a different wavelength he was punching holes in the island defense and the way wales were set up they just you know they weren't yeah, they, supporting the rucks because the, they, they just yeah. weren't expecting those line breaks and the, the, you know those those half breaks and it just feels maybe we don't quite know what to do with him we don't know if he's a 7 or if he if he could find a role somewhere else in the back road.
1: yeah he wouldn't be a traditional 6 obviously um, no. but i think uh, I mean, I think England are looking at playing Earl at eight. I, I could see him playing eight. Uh, you, know, you have got a couple of outstanding uh, sevens who are incredible the other side of the ball, but um, I think he, he can easily play. He can easily play seven in, depending on the rest of the, the, the makeup of your team. But um, I think as an eight, he could be uh, very, very dynamic. I'm just going back to that game in 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 Aviva. Um, I remember speaking to some of the, the Ireland players afterwards and they, they probably didn't know a huge amount about him, you know, before that game, but they were blown away by him, you know? And there's like, it, there's, there's, it's rare that you have, you know, players at international level who can make an impact like that on, on, a, on other international players who've been there, done that. And, and they kind of go, wow, this fella has footwork, he's pace, you know, he's powerful in the carry. um, and I think he he laid down a, a marker that day. Uh a, a, in a very high level. As you said, as Wales were struggling a little bit in terms of what they're trying to do. It wasn't a brilliant Welsh performance, but as an individual, um he showed he could mix it with the with the best. And uh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting how Warren kind of narrows down that that big squad, you know what I mean, in, in certain positions. And can he find a place for someone like Basham? Because Wainwright was very good the week before, um, you know, in, in, in Principality. And he's someone that Warren has always um, seen a lot of upside in and, and has played his best rugby under Warren and 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 he will do it again. So um, you are you are very fortunate in the in the back row.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He probably with with Basham and with Wayne right I think they offer a carrying threat that maybe the front five don't have, yeah. and that's always been the criticism of Wales is is the lack of front five. I think we saw it on the weekend. didn't we yeah. you know you take Will Rowlands out of out of that front five, and suddenly you're very light. Yeah. On, on forward carriers, so having someone like Dane Basham just to, to to sort of punch holes could mm. could be uh, could be crucial. Um, I mean, speaking of Will Rowlands, I think he's in line to, to captain the the squad by the time this podcast yeah. okay goes out. We'll the team will be readily available to the public. Um, so we're just working off rumors and whispers here. <laughs> Wells online, oh but a no think... better place,
1: a no better place for rumors and whispers, lads. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think I understand is Will Rowlands yeah. in line the captain uh, the team. It also be his twenty fifth cap, which means he can now freely play at the World Cup. Yeah, not that, that I don't think that was an issue. I think his contract lasted with the Dragons yeah. as the light's growing here uh, until the end of the World Cup. Just 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 how important uh, is Will Rowlands to Wales? I think we saw you know Adam Beard and Rhys Davis perhaps struggle a bit at Twickenham. Just, you know, we've lost Alan Wynn, we've lost Corey Hill. Just underlines how important Will Rowlands is to Wales' World Cup.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, Gatlin's a big fan of Arden Beard. Um, you know, he, he he obviously has a lot of weight in the scrum. His his defence, the driving line note's is very good. Um, he's also the line captain, but he doesn't really offer much of a carrying threat, whereas Rowlands does. And I thought the two locks last weekend... Davis had a decent game, but the balance probably wasn't wasn't quite right. I think you need a, a carry at lock. Um, it's a real shame they couldn't get Jake Ball back, to be honest. I think that would have been the the real answer. Uh, but, you know, let's this, this move on from that. But, yeah, I, I think Rowlands is, is just key for Wales. I think he'd be a good option as captain if they went down that road. He's an athletic player. He's just got the right balance between being an athlete and and being a real heavy-duty carrier. And obviously, he's a decent line of forward. So I, if you were to pick who Wales' most important player is, he'd, he'd be in the top three, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking back on on the weekend, I mean, it's we're less than a week away from Wales naming their squad. They got another game against South Africa before they do that. But obviously, it wasn't a great spectacle. But who do you think help their chances of making that thirty-three, and who perhaps hindered them? Yeah, um, I, th- I think I think Liam Williams is obviously
2: nailed on. I think he always was going to be. He, he was outstanding um, behind the scrum. Um, I I think, even though he wasn't involved, I think the game helped Sam Costello's hopes. Because you look at Owen Williams, um, for me, he was just standing way too deep. He couldn't get the back line going. Whereas Costello reminds me a bit of Priestland 2011, stands flat on the gain line,'s got a smart passing game, can get people over, can put people in space to get over the gain line. Um so even though he didn't play, I think it it benefited him. Um unfortunately, um, I'm gonna sound like a hypocrite. I I think Tame Plumptree probably played his way out of it. A um, bit of humble pie there. He, he didn't have his greatest game. I think it's probably a, a bit too early for him in terms of international rugby. Um, I actually thought Rhys Davis had a decent game, um, even though the pack as a whole wasn't great. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, we've mentioned Tane Barsham. I thought he did well as well. But I, I don't think there were many that played that really sort of put their hands up for selection. Uh, but I think some people who didn't play um, because some people didn't perform as well as they could have probably had more of a boost than some people on the field so um, that would be my take on it
0: yeah interesting I mean, I mean Elliot D would be another one who did yeah. play and probably strengthened his cause Bernard, yeah, Absolutely. who did you sort of see in that yeah, well I look
1: at, uh, yeah I, I mean for me the, I was blown away by Liam Williams because obviously I'm more probably concerned about the players who were going to start in the big games in, in the World Cup and actually make a difference. So, you know, Will Rowland's coming back in this week. For sure, he can he can be a central part of of Wales' assault. Uh, and, and Liam Williams, not sure any fault of his own, but just obviously, play, you know, a Welsh team who were, were struggling a little bit um, in the over the last couple of years. Um, his own injury race, which obviously kept him out a lot. But to see him come back um, after a good pre-season and be back, world-class level and i know he's going he's, he's leaving he's going to japan but he could he could have a massive world cup because i actually still think there's going to be a huge amount of kicking in this world cup even though there's more teams who who have um a better philosophy around playing and you know when you've got someone in your backfield who can bring it back with the the level of um of impact he can that can be just a great launching pad for for the play after it you know i think. Um, Wales will be pretty conservative in, in 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 some of their set piece attack. I um, up to play territory, but when they get that source of possession, and you get in the front foot for someone like him bringing it back, you know, then it's going to open up a little bit. And and I think you have players who can do damage in that transitional play. So for me, he was the one I went. Wow, he's he could be a, a star at this World Cup again. And uh, um, yeah, I, I was I was so impressed with him. 'Cause you know, you say about transition. I think, you know, with the
0: goal line dropout, yeah. kick returns are effectively a set piece of their own now, aren't they? I think we saw Wales during the Six Nations, you know, start off against Ireland very tentative with what they wanted to try to do from fifth twenty twos. And then as they progressed through the, the Six Nations, it became a quite reliable source of, of good ball. I mean, they they tried the same sort of loop play off Joe Hawkins with Liam Williams against Ireland and yeah, didn't really work and then I think against Italy I think they nearly put Josh Adams away for a try and that's going to be a massive source of attacks having Liam Williams you know on on song it, it's huge Joe Roberts obviously made his, his debut um, set up a try but I don't know I don't know how much we can read into that because it was against 12 men uh, it, was a bit, it was a bit like Sevens Rugby wasn't it that outside right. break but I thought he handled himself well um, we're, we're going to see an all-new centre partnership again this weekend by the looks of it, Johnny Williams, Mason Grady, which means heading into the Fiji game, we're still none the wiser what Wales' midfield is going to be. But first of all, how did Joe Roberts go, do you think? And and, and where are we with that midfield combination?
2: I didn't think he had a good start to the game. I think he m- mistread one, uh, one attacking play a uh, bit in and then England... Um, with the other end of the field but he learned from that he grew into the game and on the whole he had a tidy game he's a you know obviously he made that one defensive mistake but on the whole he's a pretty solid defensive player um he's a natural 13 probably the only natural 13 in in the whale squad um you know he makes good decisions in attack i know you know he's up against 12 men in terms of the break you you just referenced but on the whole he was a really good debut but in terms of in terms of final World Cup selection, his problem is he can't play in the wing, whereas Mason Grady and George North can. And Warren Gatland has, you know, emphasised the the benefits of having versatile players in in the squad. Uh, in terms of the centres on the whole, you go back to 2011, 2015, 2019. Wales had uh, John and Davis and uh, Jamie Raw, but Scott Williams was in and out then. Parks and Davis really established, experienced centre partnerships, you know, guys with almost a telepathic understanding of their games. You look at the squad now, some good individuals, but I'm none the wise as a rugby journalist what Wales' strongest centre partnership is. And for me, that, that's a problem going into the World Cup. We mentioned this last week. Um, you know, we are hopeful that Johnny Williams plays in the weekend. I think he's he's a big, powerful carrier, somebody that Warren Gatland would, would really like to see. He's a type of player he's historically selected, Mason Grady as well, very physical player, so he'll go for size in midfield. I actually think Nick Tompkins is under threat. He's an experienced player, but does he suit the way Gatler wants to play? Um, I'm not too sure, so I I think in terms of selection,
1: centre's a problem. Do you think Nick Tompkins is under threat to make the World Cup squad? I think so.
2: I think I think he's an experienced. Um, you know, you, you look, what might help his causes, you look at the centres, and obviously North's got over 100 caps, very experienced. But, you know, you, you got Joe Roberts, one cap, Llewellyn, one cap, Grady, I think he's got three caps, Johnny Williams, five caps. So I think Tompkins has got 20, 28 caps. So he's a lot more mm. experienced and coming from Saracens, you know, he's he's great for the environment. But I just, I don't know, like, He's, you know, Got. I know it's not as simplistic as this, but Gotland likes his twelve to get over the gain line. Johnny Williams can do that, albeit he's yeah. a bit injury prone. Uh, Max Whelan could potentially do that, and I don't know that does Tompkins suit the way they play. I mean, what, would be interesting to see what, were you, uh, what you think? Yeah, of that. I look, I don't
1: think he typically suits the way they they play, but um, yeah, I would have thought he would have been in the in in the in the wider squad for sure. You know, yeah. I think. Um, He's smart. Uh, he's had some good games for Wales. Uh, he obviously has an experience. He probably has a winning mentality. Uh, but yeah, now you, now you say it, do, the guys you're comparing to are, are bigger, stronger athletes, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And um, they will get you over the game line maybe a little bit more um, convincingly. But Tompkins, Tompkins' punch is probably bigger than his his, his physical side mm-hmm. um, and does it quite regularly. So uh, that'll be a big call. Who Who's starting this weekend in centre? We're expecting Johnny Williams and Mason Grady. Okay, well, look at that against South Africa. They've got a, um, a, a, a proper opportunity to show they can get go forward. You know, if they get go forward there, um, they'll do it in, in, in the big games in the World Cup.
2: Yeah, one one incident we probably need to discuss is the, the Owen Farrell um, red card or non red card. Obviously, there has <laughs> been a pretty big reaction from. Uh, from the rugby family on that one, um, yeah. What, well, what are your general thoughts on Look, on that whole situation?
1: I think we're doing everything we can to tear ourselves apart as a game. You know, the 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 lack of consistency in judicial decisions or even on field decisions, like the bunker. This is one of the first high profile. I know there was one against in in, in Wales, so this is the, probably the first high profile example of. The bunker system, and you know they have eight minutes to to try and make the right decision. So in theory, it should um, increase the amount of correct decisions. You know it's hard for a referee and, and even with all of the angles, you know to make the right decision in the heat of the moment. I think so. The bunker, I, I agree with that. It gets them off the field and it gives someone uh, or a team yeah. eight minutes to look at it. I don't think anybody, any of us who watch rugby week in week out, sometimes four or five games a weekend saw that in slow motion on replays saw the red card being given after 8 minutes and thought oh that's outrageous or that's wrong we we all accepted in the game mm-hmm. that we we've seen transition over the last couple of years where head contact has become such a focus and player safety's the buzzword that we're hearing from you know world rugby and and all the unions and and the concussion cases and everything else and you know, everyone was saying six; he could get six weeks, and 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 down to four. I mean, no one was saying that it was wasn't a red card. And then the problem is, like, the problem is, is that this citing committee—they don't have to go; they don't have to follow public reaction or all like of that. But how are we all so far off the mark? You know, mm, yeah. and I, of course, there was a little bit of there was a slight change of direction um, for for Basham um, from Jamie George, but I don't think anybody really felt that was. A massive consequence on it and but I, I, I think if they went down to if they went down the red card was the right decision they were caught they were caught in terms of the very little mitigation because um he's already gone to tackle school he already has previous um and it, it seems like they just don't want they want all the top players they can to go to the world cup and that's not obviously uh, that's just uh, that's the perception. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. they they and England had a have a, have a, have a very strong legal legal team behind us. Um, but where does it put the referees? Where does it put the TMOs now? You know what I mean? Um, it's undermined the officials, might, in there, like, anyways. They must have. Uh, there's a massive disconnect between those citing. I actually nearly think, and it's not going to happen quickly. But you probably need to have pro referees or. Pro TMOs or whatever, also being the people who look at the judicial afterwards. You know, I, I just don't. There seems to be mm. a huge disconnect with with what they're seeing, um, and it's a very bad look for the game. It's a it's a very bad look for the game because if yeah. you're if you're looking at that, you're saying is player safety really paramount? And mm. ha- has a as a tier one country here, kind of got away with something. Um, oh, and I look. Oh, I, I want to see your best players go to the World Cup. I don't want to see yeah. O'Farrell miss a World Cup. Um, and uh, and I think he's a he's a great player and he's tough and he, he he's uncompromising. He wanted to lay down a marker, but unfortunately he got it wrong. And mm. for me, for me, it was a red card and it was a case of how many weeks he was going to get. But
2: for me, one of the biggest problems as well. So you had a Pacific Nations Cup game. I think it was uh, George Moala, red yeah. card, tip tackle, ten week ban correct decision red card right that he has a ban 10 weeks is a bit bit over the top in my opinion then you could argue what Owen Farrell did and I like Farrell as a player I'm not saying he's dirty but as you said he got that one wrong I would argue what Farrell did was a lot more dangerous and then Moala gets 10 weeks and then Farrell gets 0 weeks you know that's going to cause a lot of animosity in the playing group and a lot of people I know rugby's like a bit confused because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, the game it's a tough game. We we, we want to keep the brutality in the game, but you can't ignore all these former players coming out and there's a lot of players, you know, they, they get they got dementia when they're a bit um, you know, when they're in their forties or fifties, you know, that that's that's obviously terrible. And then more and more people you'd expect will come will come forward over the years with similar Similar examples of how their health has been seriously compromised by playing rugby, and then parents won't allow their kids. Fewer people will allow their kids to play rugby. And when when you're growing up, you have role models. And obviously, I'm Welsh, but if I was English and I was like a teenager playing rugby on a Sunday, Owen Farrell would be one guy you'd be looking up to. And you tend to yeah. copy your role models. So I th- I think they made, a, they made a dog's dinner of this, haven't they? It just sends out yep. all the wrong messages. And, you know, concussion is the biggest threat to rugby, isn't it? And, you know, they say that they're serious about eradicating um, concussion. You can't fully eradicate it, obviously, but making it less likely is going to happen. But the evidence suggests that they're not as as serious as they, uh, they're making out, I don't think.
1: Yeah, and every and now we're ever we're going to be second guessing and having a lack of like as a co, as a co-com like I'm doing the French New Zealand game, um, over the last, like even go back to the uh, Malia incident against mm. the Springboks. You know, no none of us there was no real clarity. Now they come out and said, look at even if you touch the ball in the block down, you have a responsibility to for player safety. So that's a little bit, little bit clearer. But at the time, at the time. Season pros uh, weren't sure if Andrew Brace was right or wrong, and that's just too much of this. You know, we haven't we haven't got any better at actually having um, a real clear black and white idea about what's going to get you banned, what's going to get you sent off, or on what's what's acceptable and what are the mitigating circumstances. So it seems that probably the most important person it won't be the head of S and C or it won't be your head analyst going in the backroom staff going to the World Cup. It'll be our barrister, you know, mm-hmm. because that could be the that could be the 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 key moment that gets a star player two weeks instead of four weeks, you know. And that's not that's not right either.
0: No, you know? no. I mean, I mean, Clive Woodward's already claimed credit
1: for yeah, bringing for, <laughs>
0: for bringing him into the <laughs> camp.
1: <laughs> whenever, whenever anything's positive, Clive takes it. And whenever <laughs> bad, if someone else's fault.
0: Yeah, I know. I don't think he's claimed credit <laughs> for Southampton being relegated. Yeah, but um, <laughs> not- but it's funny you you mentioned sort of the lawyer, and there was there was a line in the in the, uh, the the result of the the thing, which basically said that the bunker wasn't undermined because the referee there only had eight minutes to make the call, as opposed to the committee who had the additional material from the player and his legal representative, which is just a crazy line to me. If, that, if Basically what you're saying is, well, referees can't make decisions because we need legal, no. you know, people, lawyers to, to unpick the laws of the game. Well, then you know, we might as well pack up and go home.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I, I feel sorry for referees. Uh, um, I really do. And I think they're they're struggling with the game in terms of the game is getting faster, higher ball and play time. So there's a there's a bigger focus on athleticism. There's more eyes. There's more scrutiny. There's social media. Everyone's able to, I suppose, um, question their decisions. But the reality is they're not getting a huge amount of support. And I thought the bunker, I genuinely thought the bunker would, would have been a, a a tool to support them. But then if if together as a as a match officials, they probably left Twickenham, kind of, you know, and a briefing after the match They okay, well done, we we got the right decision there. And then you know, two days later we were told that it was completely the wrong decision. You know what I mean? And I still I still don't agree that it was the wrong decision. That's that's the problem. So if that happens uh, in in New Zealand France, I still think there's gonna be a red card. And mm. I still think and I and I believe that the judicial officers on the tuesday may actually hold up that red card that's that's the problem you know i, I don't mm. like logically i i should be saying right that's actually not a red card anymore but i can still i can see those red cards being given in the in the rugby world cup and i can see some of them being held you know held as 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 genuine red cards and suspensions so that's the that's that's the frustrating thing is that we're going into a world cup um and maybe it's not going to be the brilliant tries the the you know the great skill Takes the headlines, uh, the, uh, the highlight, or, yeah, the headlines. It's going to be judiciaries and and citing and you know uh, red cards or, or non red cards, and that's that's unfortunate. Talking of World Cups, um,
2: your boys are in a pretty good position, and they ranked number one in the world. Won a test series in New Zealand last year, you know, dominated the Six Nations. Um, you mu- you must be supremely confident that you're going to lift the. William Mobella's cap. Um <laughs> Jesus.
1: Or aren't you? <laughs> oh no, 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 definitely not. Like we could look at it. I think we're gonna go into this World Cup in better form than we have previous ones. So if you look back at the previous World Cups, um 2019, we went in there full of full of beans, but it was based on 2018 when we yeah. you know we were number one in the world. But the evidence was there for everyone to see before that World Cup, that we'd started to slip and other teams had worked us out and um referees had started to pick up on us. Because if you look back in the 2018, we were we were giving away two and three penalties some games. Like it was phenomenal how how good we were in terms of discipline. And then that started to creep up because you become everyone's watching you when you're when you're top of the world. So Farrell in fairness has tried to create a different type of game where there's more movement and um, we're less predictable. And in fairness to him, our form is still okay. We weren't bad against Italy, but we obviously won a Grand Slam mm. um, in the in the calendar year of the World Cup. Um, but then you look at what France can do in in a couple of minutes. New Zealand look to be back. Scotland, in fairness, um, have been excellent the, yeah. the last the last two weeks, and um, we could we could play really well and lose to. Hopefully, we get to qualify, but lose to New Zealand or France, mm. and it's not it's not, I suppose, a damning indictment of. Of Irish rugby, like maybe some of the other World Cups are, you know. Um, it's just maybe we get beaten by a better team on the day. So I do think this team will pitch. I just, you know, the last review of the World Cup said, oh, you know, um, psychological pressure, uh, stress. You know, I think Farrell has created a better environment that they can handle that. Obviously, we've got some very experienced players like Connor Murray, Peter Manny, Johnny Sexton, um, and then the other guy, Gary Ringrose. And then, like, we don't have. Any real fellas are going to start this World Cup, you know, with four or five caps. I mean, Hugo Keane and all those guys, Matt Hanson, James Lowe, they're all they're all very experienced at an international level and a top end level of Champions Cup. So experiences shouldn't be an issue. Um, so yeah, we I think we're a good play. We got England this weekend. Obviously Sexton is back for the um, for the uh, World Cup. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's a key man first, and we hope he he can hit his straps quickly. I think he will. Obviously we've been a bit lucky in terms of the draw, and that we have the softer games first. So we've Romania, Tonga, so that can effectively be part of our preparation, and and we can drive move things on there. But if look at the feedback from the squad is that they're very comfortable in where they're at and and the game that they play. And yeah, we I think we're in, we're in a decent place to be fair. Yeah there's always a lot
2: made that Ireland have never won a knockout game in the World Cup. Even though this Ireland team is probably the best Ireland team of all time. Certainly the yeah. best I've seen in my lifetime. They, a lot of these players, some were involved, but most of them weren't involved. You know, this is a fresh team, fresh coach. Does that that, fa- that fact that I just mentioned, does that play on their mind psychologically or is, is that sort of thing not going to factor no, in at all?
1: No, I think that they, they've Dealt with that, they dealt with that, yeah. you know, and talked about being a fresh start. And um I think Farrell Farrell's an amazing um case study in terms of leadership. So I've been quite close to a lot of players and mm. they and I and I'm fascinated by him because obviously he was a legendary player, um, he's been an assistant coach with the Lions, with Ireland, with England, um, and now he's been head coach in his own right, and probably didn't have the ideal start, you know, during COVID. Um he wanted to change the way we played. wasn't a quick transition. It took a little while, but it's all come together now. But the players just say that he's he's not he's not really like a coach. He's like a captain. Mm-hmm. You know, they they genuinely believe he's he's there with them and he's one of them. And but yeah, he obviously has a total authority. So um, and he has belief, and he's he spread that belief into the players. And um, look, we're we're in a we're in a healthy place. I mean, I I don't I don't think we'd swap our. our our squad or our, our momentum for anyone else, but we're very respectful of the fact. I think this is the, this is the, you know, previously going to world cups, someone like New Zealand or, or miles ahead of everyone else and, and, and didn't win it. Um, but the reality is I think this year we're ranked one, but it's very different between us and France. Yeah. we beat France in, in Dublin. Can we beat them in France? You know what I mean? Um, you know, South Africa, um, New Zealand, Argentina, um, Australia, England, Wales, they can all beat each other on any given day and, and that's 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 what's hopefully going to make this World Cup. We've talked about the negatives of this World Cup and the, the fear about discipline but the, the positives and the expectation around this World Cup should be that we've got a lot of teams who are very are capable of beating each other on any, any day. If, if Johnny Saxon gets injured, can
2: Ireland still win the World Cup? In your opinion, or is he too important?
1: No, I don't think we can. I think our chances drop 20% which... Which that that's, that should be a twenty percent difference, you know, should be enough yeah. to knock you out. So yeah, I, I think he is absolutely crucial. Not because of you know he's going to score a try from his own goal line or anything <laughs> like that, but he actually makes everyone else better. Mm. He makes everyone else better, and he when the mo- when the pressure comes on, like I've no doubt if if Johnny played in that final against La Rochelle, Leinster would have wouldn't would have won the game. You know, mm. I think that's that's the influence he has. That when the opposition get momentum, he he knows how to. To stop that, um, when when Ireland or Leinster have momentum, he knows how to go for the juggler. Um, so yeah, I, I still think he's a key man. And look, I think I think if you go through most teams, there's probably one player in there for England. You know, On Fire being out, hmm. if he was out, you know that drastically for me uh, affects their chances. No disrespect to Ma- Marcus Smith or George Ford, but I think there is uh, he's there's players in nearly every squad that are absolutely key.
2: Yeah, and. I remember um, you, you and me. We, we exchanged texts recently. We both said that we thought Australia were dark horses, but this was before yeah. the rugby championship and before this crazy squad that he selected. Do you still think that, or you know who who, who, who are your dark horses? Yeah,
1: God, I'm, I'm putting maybe too much faith in Eddie, but <laughs> um, he has talent there. You know, even with Quade Cooper out, Michael Hooper out, that's still a good team they just in fairness there was a that second test in new zealand away where they obviously lost in the end but they played some very good Mm. rugby in that um but yeah he just seems uh, either he still has the minus touch and he's just doing it in a different way than we've ever seen before and it's all going to come together or he's he's gone he's lost the plot but i think australia are the team with the most margin for improvement to be fair Mm. and, and uh, the talent there is is still phenomenal There's some really good young talent particularly in that backline so yeah I still stick with Australia as someone who could come out of the you know out of, out of the woodwork and, and and be a serious threat
2: you know you, you look at Ireland's pool everybody's talking about Ireland and South Africa but Scotland yeah. for me they've been outstanding and people are, are too too quick to assume that they're just the bridesmaids and the, you know they they'll fall short but are Scotland a serious threat could one of Ireland or South Africa get knocked out i think if one did get knocked out it'd be south africa myself not ireland but what was what's your thoughts on on scotland in general yeah
1: no i think it's obviously they got south africa first game mm. i think they're going to go they're playing georgia um they've another game against georgia which you think they would they would win the problem with them is as a if you're playing in scotland um they're so loose and um, mm. they're so loose that it's very hard to actually pin them down um and Ireland have been able to do that in the in the past. Ireland the, the problem here is that Scotland have come here, we've gone to Scotland and we've talked them up and we've seen the threat that they have and they just haven't f- performed against us, right? But they've um against France they seem to have no fear. And uh um I think a lot of things have kinda of happened. Obviously, Stuart Hogg is out, but Finn Russell captained the team last weekend. I mean, you know, when you think of his relationship with, with Gregor over the last couple of years, it's some turnaround to to go from not being in the top three at halves to now being the captain and playing very well. And, and um, you know, I've got Do du- 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 van der Mer up there with the best wingers in the mm. world at the moment. Um, they're, they, I, I, I think, agree with you. I think they could actually catch South Africa maybe easier than maybe catch us because mm. we, you know, we'll know what we have to do in that last game. Um, but they are, they are absolutely a genuine intended to get out of that group, and, and they've been totally overlooked. They've been totally overlooked. And, um, you know, the fact that Gregor's staying on gives them some stability. Um, yeah, they, they're a good side. You know, if they're among the other groups, you'd say yeah. they'll get out. You know what I mean? That's the problem. And in terms of Wales, Fiji
2: first up, I, I, in my opinion, that's the worst time to play them because in the past, the Pacific Island nations have been done over by the, the fixture scheduling. But Fiji, yeah. you know, it's, it's a it's a fight it's their fight you know it's their well it's Wales's yes. cup final as well I mean I know you're on a Welsh rugby podcast but feel free to to slam Wales if you want to um, but you know can can Wales turn this around at the World Cup you know do you think they're headed for a repeat of 2007 or can they be the dark horses themselves considering the you know the yeah, no, um, side no, no, no. they're on.
1: No, for sure. There's still very good players in our Welsh squad, particularly if you go down, if you take it from 33 to, to to 23, you know. Um, uh, players have done exceptional things in a, in a, in a Welsh jersey and, and some of them in a, in a British and Irish Lions jersey. Um, I think, to be fair, Gatland has copy and pasted pre-seasons that have worked for them, and, and yeah. they get a lot of belief from that as well about being in great condition physically the guy i trust the most um in terms of being a a, a rugby betting expert right? about 3 weeks ago he said to me the best bet he's seen in the last 4 years was fiji plus 14 against wales right now that means that, that they can lose but lose by less than 14 um and it does make sense to me uh, but and they are very dangerous but i actually think wales wales can can get over the line against against fiji and maybe someone else will come a, a cropper uh, against them mm-hmm. and that'll be the the starting point that they can build on. So, no, I think Wales can have a, a decent um, World Cup, and if they can, hopefully, then that will will Obviously, what's been a very um, fractured period for for Welsh rugby, and then you know we get the regions funded properly and get the pathways back going, and and, yeah. and Wales can start to build on this. So, um, I think that's coming back. If we can get them to have a decent, a really good, decent World Cup, hopefully, that'll just be. Right, back to ground zero and and build again.
2: I got to ask you. You've obviously brought that point up. You coach the Dragons. You know all about Welsh rugby politics. Positive move for the Dragons. They signed uh heads of terms to to go private. They're hoping to to get that completed this month. Um, it's, it's a good move for them, isn't it? You know, um, yeah, as a Dragons coach,
1: I, I'm um, I'm in favor of. Being union owned, to be honest, uh, like I, I, I've, I've, I've had experience in Grenoble where our, you know our sugar daddy unfortunately passed away, and the whole club went into chaos, and we ended up selling a, a, a lot of good players to try and um, not go into administration. Obviously, in Wales, um, the Dragons when I was there were, were under union ownership, but I never felt they wanted them. You know, it was like it was like a hassle to have them, and obviously we know that the reason they bought them was because if they didn't buy them they would want to go out of business. So you know, that's not the ideal scenario to buy a to buy a rugby club is is because you don't want it to go out of business. You you would like to own a rugby club because you want to see it progress and and you know have ambitions and, and uh and be successful. But uh and obviously that's not the model that the Wales has ever ever had. Um but as I said, my experience in Ireland is it when it's done right, you know, and the and the union are um are very strong in terms of what they want to do and then the provinces are are well funded i think it's a it's a good model but for wales for the dragons i think it's definitely better that they're not under wru ownership particularly but the model you had where three weren't and one were um mm. that, that definitely wasn't uh a good place to be for the Dragons. so um and now that there's the opportunities there for for david butchers who I, who I trust and believe in um to build it and the fact he's he's worked i uh, you know he's worked tirelessly to try and get it into private ownership, which is a massive punt from him and, and his support and team because, I mean, you know, they did this in, a, in an environment where rugby's never been under as much pressure financially and he saw what's happened in England and, mm-hmm. you know, around the world. So fair play. And I think for Di Flanagan now, um, it gives him a much clearer um, support structure and uh, a reporting structure that hopefully they can, they can build on.
2: You know, for Welsh rugby as a whole, though, you're probably one of the best people to ask because you've coached in Wales, you've coached in France and obviously Ireland. Um, you know, what is the perfect structure for Wales? You know, do we do we need... Obviously, we need more money into the game, that's obvious, but have we got too many professional teams? Um, you know, a lot of people have told me um, that perhaps there's not actually enough... Real quality professional players in Wales. I mean, you you've coached in Wales. What well, you know? What what's your general thoughts on on that?
1: I think, for me personally, if you want to have strong regions who are competitive in the knockout stages of the URC, um, challenging for for Europe every every so often. Um, certainly, being competitive in the group stages of the Champions Cup. I look I, at. I think it, it, ideal scenario you fund four property, but that obviously isn't mm. feasible. You know, if that's feasible, outcome hasn't hasn't happened. Um, I, I think three. I think three regions. But given the given the budget to um, really keep the best players in Wales and bring in, you know, spark sparkling of of, yeah. of top top mm. end international experience like they used to do. You know, back in the Ospreys or in Cardiff back in the day. Um of first all Welsh regions back in the day have had superstars who you yeah. know could mix it with anybody. Um but also that can't be just where the fund where the funding goes. If you're gonna go to three, which I don't think you are, but if you're gonna go to three, you then need to have a, a, a chunk of money and a plan to improve that pathway. Um and to I suppose revitalize um you know the valleys of clubs, that all the clubs in, in, in Wales who to be honest, I, I felt when I was there, they were underneath. You know, they were just surviving, just surviving. When you're su- just surviving, and it's, there's, there's no one to blame for this, it's, a, it's difficult to keep clubs going. But um, you know, you're competing with soccer, you're competing with PlayStation. You know, I, I, you know, you need to have an attractive proposition to get the kids in there, and they're going to be your next Liam Williams and your tame Bashams, etc. You know, so that's the that's the worry for me. I think just three strong regions will be a starting point. But there has to be a talent ID program that's better than anywhere else because resource-wise and the way you're geographically set up with, uh, with the split between South Wales and North Wales um, and, and the lack of and a difficulty of access, you need to absolutely maximize your chances of bringing every raw um, a rough diamond all the way through. And I don't know for the moment yeah. if that's if that's locked in. We're lucky here, so we have a. Like ITV were over last week interviewing me for a piece of doing the World Cup. But the private schools here gives us a natural advantage. They all have a competition. They have a competition that's 120 years old that past pupils, parents, uh, the schools are absolutely obsessed about it. So the kids here are used to competing in a very strong competition from... Some of them, they're playing from six years of age. There's that identity of the school you went to and then obviously that that gives Leinster in particular and the Irish in their 20s players who are you know, used to competing and have been coached and, and at a very high level from a rugby point of view, from a psychological point of view, from a physical point of view. That's not the same. You can't replicate that in Wales because those schools aren't there. But you've got to find your way of doing it. And yeah. uh, that's going to be the challenge for, for Welch Rugby going forward. Um, and I, I hope I hope it's successful. Do you think, though, that the, we know that Warren Gatlin is a world-class
2: coach and obviously, hopefully, he can you can at least get Wales competitive. But we're at a stage now that I, I've been criticised for this in the past, but I'll say it again, but the the level below uh, the national game has been neglected. Um, we've not invested enough in it. Um, there's blames on both sides there. But unless we get that right, you know, it's not just grassroots, but the professional game, you, you look at a young Irish player playing for one of the Irish provinces would be playing in winning environments and they'll be playing, you know, if you've got a young Irish centre and Andy Farrar's on the fence, whether he's good enough, and then he sees him play in a, high, at a Champions Cup yeah. quarterfinal out in Toulouse and they win or whatever, he can say, right, yeah, he's, you know, he, he's, he's done really well here against international players. He's, he, he's a test player. He's ready. We haven't got that in Wales, but the point I'm trying to make is unless we get the regional level, right, or the professional level, whatever you want to call it, the rot will spread to the national side and you know it won't matter who coaches Wales the players won't no. be there Um do, do you feel that Welsh rugby is at that stage where it really needs to do something drastic or you know we, we forget about success at test level really
1: yeah I, I genuinely do I think it's um the World Cup has kind of in some ways been a distraction mm. <laughs> because you know the, the, no like it's such a big event and it's well, from from the out like every everyone's prioritising the World Cup, so all the international teams are focused on that. But uh, post this World Cup, I think you know there has to be serious um, discussions around mm. where Wales want to be in eight, ten, twelve years time. And and, and the reality is, the investment you make now may take, uh, and people hate hearing about long term plans mm. and things like that. People want success immediately, but the reality is, um, the way. The way the the funding model fell apart and it took so long to agree, etc. You literally are starting back in a in a very low place. I mean, you know, Cardiff are still putting together their coaching staff, you know, um, and, and and a player roster. I mean, logically, it's going to be very difficult for them to to dine at the top table in the next year or two. Logically, maybe they can, but it, you know, that's not how you would set up a, t- a team to perform. So let's make sure that that never happens again. You know what I mean? Let's make sure that this yeah. was the, the darkest year in, in Welsh rugby history um, and uh, and that there's a, a robust, um, well thought out plan that's specific to the demographic and history that's there in Welsh rugby, which is phenomenal, um, and to maximise that. Yeah, because uh, I'm sure Ben will
2: agree with me that we're sick of covering
1: games where, you know,
2: Welsh regions are losing 30-odd points to Munster and Leinster. So, uh...
0: Yeah, well, it's just been an interesting year covering Welsh rugby at all. To be honest, Um, we'll we'll finish the pod with a few quick fire-ish questions um, concerning Wales, concerning the World Cup. First of all, Josh Adams,
1: was he play acting? Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it's it's come into the game. It's come into the game. That's not criticism of him. Uh, You know a player getting yellow carded, red carded potentially is the difference between winning and losing. And, and, uh, and it's also impossible to prove. So uh, yeah, uh, my perception was, yeah, possibly. Uh,
0: <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with, I don't know if, I don't know if a player falling for five feet is no. maybe the one to make the point on. So
1: no, for sure. Yeah. I think Andy could, yeah, could have agree. found other ones, but um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree.
0: But uh, the other one player and coaches doing columns, uh, good thing or bad thing. We've had, we've had a bit of back and forth yeah. in Wales this yeah. week.
1: Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's an interesting one. So I, um, so Ron Nagara, don't talk about Warren, right? But Ron Nagara uh, is unbelievably active in speaking circuits, media. He does Off the Ball, which is this uh, radio show here, uh, once a week. He has a newspaper column in The Examiner. And he's a wonderful communicator, right? And I actually did a piece on him and, and I actually felt one it gives them an, uh, a, a, an ability to um set the tone you know to uh, but also practice being a, a top end communicator right uh, so that's 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 the, that's the positive angle the the other angle is if, if you get it wrong you know um, it, it can cause uh, cause a lot of stress um and cause angst and and maybe tension in a squad so it's a very fine line i actually find it interesting it was brilliant to to to, to read warren or whatever i, I love reading ogara um and it gives you insights uh, that are that are gold and makes it the game more interesting so i can see all the positives but it's a it's a fine line and like for example if ronan and larachelle had a tough year next year um you know could that be more difficult for them? That, that's the problem the problem is. Um, I can see why it's valuable because you can actually set the agenda. You can talk to your own players through a different uh, medium. You can talk to the opposition, but it's a it's a tricky one. I'm not against it. I, like, I, I, if you read back that article I wrote about Agar, I'm not saying this because I, I, I I'm a fan of Warren. I actually wrote the article saying I can see the value in it for him. Um, so obviously, if I'm being transparent well then, uh, and consistent, then I can see the value in it for Warren or or Andy Farrell or whatever uh, if they want to, want to do one. Okay,
0: how far will Wales get in the World Cup? Quarter-final. England or Argentina, <laughs> to knock us out? Argentina. I
1: would that, agree with that. Yeah, I'd fun. rather play uh, England
2: myself. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Oh, oh no, I think if you play
1: England, you have a cracking chance. Yeah, 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 I think Argentina are, are, are actually a decent side Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, they They never seem to produce it against us, though. Which I'll is one the, the thing, only man.
1: the only strange thing, you always think, right, they, they
0: beat England at Twickenham last year and you thought they're gonna come to Cardiff and do a number on us. Yeah. I think maybe the World Cup they might just I'll tell you one thing. I actually think Argentina probably have the
2: best goal kick in the world in Emiliano Buffelli. And they lost that test in um in South Africa a couple of weeks back by a point. If he'd played, yeah. they'd have won that game. That's right. I think they win. You yeah. know, and the, the thing is, they, they're a bit inconsistent because they lost the J- uh, Jaguares, and they got players all over the world and stuff. Um, so, it's, so they're obviously going to be inconsistent. But a World Cup might be a bit different, where he's got them all together like a club side. So I will tell you yeah. one thing: you look at the side of the draw they're on; they could be finalists. Just
0: yeah. so not around a yeah. possibility, exactly. is no. it? Absolutely. And I'll guys, I got to shoot.
1: I'm sorry, guys. I got to go. Well,
0: no worries. We'll just one Continue last question: it. is the world, world Cup winner Ireland? There we go. <laughs> what a way to end. Cheers, boys. I Cheers. Go. Thanks, Bernard.
1: Bye.
0: I believe the whale squad is out. So we'll stay on the pod. We're literally, we're doing this in live time. This is, this is the wonders of the podcast. Um, so we're looking at that team. Largely as as you expected. Uh, Johnny Williams, Mason Grady in midfield. Um Kieran Hardy starts this weekend alongside Dan Bigger, Rio Dyer, Alex Cuthbert gets a start, Liam Williams at full back. Um interesting the pack, he's gone for well, effectively the, the, the same front row that played against England. Obviously Elias went off injured early, but you got Domachowski earlier D and Kieran Azarati um, ben Carter and Will Rollins it's an interesting I think I thought Carter went really well against England first out interesting he gets a second chance and then Dan Liddy Jack Morgan Aaron Wainwright uh, what What are your thoughts? I've got
2: to be honest I thought he'd go a lot stronger than this um, I thought he'd go he'd pick the team he'd, he'd pick for Fiji um, <laughs> maybe this is the team he'd pick for Fiji but um, yeah um, I, I'm just trying to process it um, obviously Alex Cuthbert deserves a chance Um I, I like the centre partnership. Grady and Williams is really heavyweight. Johnny Williams, as we said earlier, is probably the 12 that he'd, he'd yeah. really like to see. Um, Kieran Hardy deserves a chance. But I thought he would have started Henry Thomas, personally. I, I imagine he'll have the second half or at least half an hour, but I thought he would have had a look at him. But obviously he wants to look at the, uh, at the two props, Domachowski and Aserati again. Um because obviously it was a bit stop-start against England, wasn't in The first game with yeah. the, the officiating. Well, I think uh, this, this is this is the acid test, isn't it? If they get if they yeah. get through this, yeah, against I the think box, they go in. And I think Thomas Mo Francis would. is under pressure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I, I think, and it's a it's a toss of the coin between Azerati and Henry Thomas. But you could make a point that if you're looking at raw scrummages in that squad, the four props they've got here. Tomachowski, azerati Nicky Smith, Henry Thomas, would, could they be the best four? Potentially. I mean, Gareth Thomas has is, is done really well in the loose head role, but they they could be the best four you're looking at. Um, I think, I don't know. It, really, it feels to me like Gatland um, would love to take one, if not both, I Tomachowski so. and Aserati. and I think so. Just for what he'd offer, what they'd offer around the park and what they'd offer at the scrum. And just, just you know, he's spoken so much about mobility and, and sort of fresh impetus in the front row. So I could, I think he'd love to take them. But again, it's about doing it on Saturdays, isn't it? You know, he said after the game at Twickenham, a few players had almost answered questions about themselves. Um, I mean, looking on the bench, it's good, good to see Tane Basham's back. Yeah. Um that's massive because I think he really deserves another shot at nailing down a World Cup spot. Totally agree. So every player in the squad
2: knows their own opportunity haven't yeah. they? apart from um Gareth Anscombe and uh, Falter. Because yeah. you've got Kai Evans on the bench and, and Teddy, Teddy Williams. Williams. Um this the these this is I I thought he would have gone full strength against South Africa because I thought the full strength team the team he's going to pick against Fiji, you would need one game together. Yeah. But he obviously disagrees with me, uh, which I don't blame him for. Ben Carter's the one with a real opportunity. Um, if he, he did well off the bench against England in Cardiff and Gatland praised him for it, if he holds his own against RG Snyman and Jean Klein, who are, you know, powerhouse locks, I think he could. Get on the plane because the pack struggled at tricking him last weekend. So this is an opportunity for him. And likewise, I think he's looking for an excuse to pick the two props that are starting because this is the second yeah. start. Yeah.
0: Um Lidia's an interesting selection in the back row. Um saw, sort of a mixed reaction on on Twitter to his performance last weekend, but um you know he's he's in a back row this weekend alongside Jack Morgan and Wainwright, two players who were superlative in that first game. You just wonder is Gatland's giving him just another chance to sort of nail down a place in the squad because he is an out-and-out six, which I feel like Gatland wants. Is there an element with this team? You know, you you you've mentioned a couple of times it's it's not the full strength team you thought of. You know, you cast your mind back to twenty fifteen. Granted, they played basically a second string island team at the, at the stadium, but that was two days before the squad was announced. Mm. And it was a chance for Gatlin to have a last look at a lot of players who were almost on the fence. You know, I think after that game, he dropped James Hook, Mike Phillips, Richard Hibbard, mm. uh, Eli Walker, all, all players who, who, who were involved in that game dropped from the squad. Are we perhaps seeing a few players here? who were sort of 50-50 calls.
2: I think so. Uh, talking about full strength, man. I think if Farlat was injured for Fiji, I think that's the back row he'd pick, personally. Okay. Um, but I, I do agree. I think Carter's 50-50. I think the props are 50-50. I think
0: Daya is in
2: the 50-50.
0: Well, that's the thing. You, back back three, such an interesting thing in terms of numbers. You know, Josh Adams, Reece Armett, Liam Williams, you'd say are nailed on if you're taking four or you're taking five, well, if you're taking four, then suddenly it it could be a shootout between Cuthbert and Rio Dyer. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's another interesting dimension. I mean, it's not, it's not going to reach the point where, you know, they're only passing to one wing or the other. Yeah. (laughs) It's a (laughs) sort of, you know, calling for the ball. But, you know, it's it's always, that's the thing with these warm-up games is as much as it's a team effort, you are also trying to impress an individual. So, that'll be fascinating. Maxwell and on the bench, it's clear how they want to go with their center partnership throughout the 18 minutes. Isn't it? It's just big men. I'm intrigued just to see Kai Evans, how, you know, you don't, you don't often get fullbacks on the bench being asked to make an impact or or to come on. So it's going to be interesting to see how you sort of make an impact as a fullback from the bench. I mean, the box is a good opportunity because, you know, how many teams kick as much as the box?
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, i got to be honest. I don't want to be too negative, but I'm worried this game could get a bit messy on the scoreboard when you look at the strength of the South African team. I know it's not about winning as such because it's a warm-up game, but, yeah, it, it, it concerns me a bit this weekend. Um, I know you're saying about Kai. I think South Africa kick a lot. It probably if he comes off the bench, just suit his game a lot more. Uh, he's a solid fullback. Uh, I'm not sure if he's got the same... Unless he comes on a 10, of course. I'm not sure he's got the same sort of attacking threat to some other players like uh, Tom Rogers, but his kicking is reasonably good. So, you know, it, it could be the game. If he's going to pick one of the games, it could be this is his best chance, but I can't really see him making the final squad. But looking at this team yeah, I think... Apart from the obvious, I think the two props have got a serious chance to go in. Yeah, I think Rio Diaz in fifty-fifty territory, as is Alex Cuthbert. Um, I think if Johnny Williams is solid, I think he's going. To be honest,
0: yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
2: And it's almost like, even though Henry Thomas is on the bench, do you feel that Gatland's like thinking to himself, "I'm fairly comfortable with what he can do at international level already, so I don't need to see too much of him." Do you think it's actually
0: more of an indication that he's going to go to the World Cup? Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um and I mean the good the good thing against playing the box is you know that yeah, your replacement props are going to get a good test yeah. as well, yeah. you know. <laughs> there's, there's not there's not an easy scrum against the spring boxes there? You know, they they're they're, they're going to be bringing that for the full 80. That's the Wales team to face South Africa then. It's a strong South Africa team. Um there's just 80 more minutes before Wales name their World Cup squad it's going to be a fascinating 80 minutes this weekend but that's it for today's podcast Uh, a massive thank you to Bernard Jackman for joining us and for Steph as always if you have enjoyed the podcast please uh, do drop us uh, a review on whatever you're listening whatever platform you're listening to it on stay tuned for the next one cheers